The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com. This is Barron's Live. Each weekday, we bring you live conversations from our newsrooms about what's moving the market right now. On this podcast, we take you inside those conversations, the stories, the ideas, and the stocks to watch so you can invest smarter. Now, let's dial in. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Barron's Live, our daily webcast and podcast. I'm Lauren Rublin, Senior Managing Editor at Barron's. Thanks for joining us today for a look at the week ahead in the markets and everything that's making markets move these days. I'm on the line with Barron's Deputy Editor, Ben Levison. We've been talking since Friday morning about the jaw-dropping January jobs report. Ben, 517,000 new jobs added, a 3.4% unemployment rate. What does this mean for the economy and the Fed? What a surprise. Yeah, it was, uh, it was an amazing report, wasn't it? Absolutely. I think the report was twice as large as economists had expected. Many can't figure out what's going on. It was a big surprise for the Fed as well. So let's begin with why the numbers look so strong, and then we'll take a look at what they mean for the Fed, the markets, and the economy. Um, so sure. So you know, a lot of people looked at that number. The first reaction was, "Wow, that's that's crazy." And people have dug into it a little bit. And while it's clear that the job market is still strong and adding more jobs than really anyone thought it would, um, there were some strange things happening, um, particularly with some uh, seasonal adjustments that go on. Um, Goldman Sachs was uh, noting that there were like fewer end of year layoffs, um, which likely contributed to the surge. And you know, they always you know adjust uh, the the number for what happens seasonally to try to smooth it out. And in this case, it might have uh, exaggerated it a bit. So Goldman is expected to see a more trend like gain in February and March, which uh, you know they didn't put an exact number on that, but I assume that's in that two hundred thousand range, maybe a little bit under. Um, there were plenty of layoffs in January though, in the tech sector. Well, we see it in the tech sector, but the tech sector, uh, we have to remember, is still a, a very small um, portion of the, the labor force. One of the things that has made the uh, tech stocks do so well is kind of what we refer to as that asset light model. Um, they don't have a lot of assets. They don't have a lot of employees either compared to you know, manufacturing companies. You know, if you're building a car, you need a lot more people working for you than uh, the tech companies do. Um, and so I think you know, those, those um, layoffs, they, they get the headlines. Um, but I don't think they actually reflect uh, what is happening in the U.S. economy right now, um, where you, you saw, um, I think it was Chipotle a couple of weeks ago, announced big hiring plans. So I think there's just a, a disconnect between tech and um, the rest of the economy, particularly the services part of the economy, where it still looks like it's uh, very, very strong. Um, and, and the other thing I wanted to note about that jobs number, and this comes from uh, um, Datatrex, uh, Nicholas, is that he points out that you always get these kind of um, weird numbers. Um, it, it could be a very volatile um, series of data where you get uh, um, these big rises and, and falls. And in this case, he thinks you just you had a, a big jump. Um, and it, uh, it, it probably doesn't mean that much. And you're going to start you again, but Goldman, I think he expects it to come back down to what the, the trend has been. Um, the other thing he pointed out is that it, despite that big jump in the, in the, in the number of people hired, uh, wage gains, uh, stay basically on trend. You had, uh, 
I think it was 0.3% uh, month over month uh, increase in wages. Um, and, you know, that obviously wasn't a pickup. Um, that, that wasn't enough to get investors worried. It wasn't, it was actually down from an adjusted uh, December number. And so I think people just uh, looked at this number and, uh, and by people, I guess, I mean, you know, investors in the stock market looked at it and, you know, shrugged a little bit, though it did uh, finish the day, the stock market finished Friday down. Um, not quite at its lows, um, but it did finish the day with some selling. But I think it was kind of a, a big shrug for the most part. Um, if anything, I think the selling was just a reaction to what a great start to the year the market had than um, than anything else. Interesting. I'll note that the December and November numbers were revised upward. Yeah, they've been revised upwards for, uh, I want to say it's something along the lines of seven consecutive quarters. Um, I might be wrong on that, but it's been a, a, a very long streak of upward revisions, which also says, I think, something about the stock market, just about how strong it is right now. It keeps, uh, you know, they 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 keep they keep uh, having to say, you know, what we were, our first read was uh, too was too weak, and it uh, sort of just shows again how strong this job market remains. Well, it'll be amazing if these numbers are revised upward. Yeah. the next job. Uh, yeah, I mean, that, that would be kind of wild, wouldn't it? Right, right. That would negate everything we're talking about. But let's just assume the Fed was not cheering the latest employment data. It's counting on a softer economy to cool inflation. And the jobs report from January suggests the economy is still running pretty hot. So how do you think the Fed is likely to react No, I, I, I honestly am a, a little bit puzzled. Um, by the, the Fed's reaction function. I thought their meeting last week would have been a little more hawkish, but I, I, I would suspect that Powell and uh, you know the other Fed governors are a little puzzled by why it's taking so long for these massive rate hikes to filter through um, to the job market. You know, we, we've seen it filter through to manufacturing, uh, where the ISM is in contraction territory. Um, we've seen it filter through to the housing market. Um, we've seen it filter through to a lot of different parts of, of the economy. Um, but the services economy is still holding up, and that's uh, and the job market is still holding up. So my, my first thing would, would be to say, I'm I'm wondering if the Fed is puzzled about, uh, you know, its ability to even control the economy right now, uh, given that the job market doesn't seem to want to react to what really has been, I think, an unprecedented uh, pace of rate hikes until recently. Um, but I'm wondering if COVID caused anomalies in the job market that we don't even fully understand yet. Yeah, I, th- I think that's that's very possible, um, and it, it, you know, it's possible that it uh, we need to rethink, we collect the data because of it. It's possible that there has been a change in the economy because of COVID. Um, there's there's just a lot we don't know. Um, the, the one thing I think we do know is that the Fed has to be a little worried about the resilience of the job market um, because it really is if uh, consumers have have if people have jobs um, they spend. Um, it's one reason that uh, this drawdown in the savings that they had because of COVID um, hasn't been an issue is because you know you're still getting paid and. That that is a big that's a big deal, um, and that helps uh, keep prices up. And you know the good news is that uh, inflation has come down. But Powell did say at uh, uh, during the press conference that he's looking at this part of uh, of uh, uh, of uh, PCE of the uh, of inflation that uh, is really um, you know services inflation uh, less housing. 
and that part he said is not uh, really coming down as as much as the others and so he's he's watching that uh, well I think everybody else is concerned is watching just the overall numbers and seeing those uh, trend down um, so if, if yeah, I just think that the Fed, the, the more the, the number we get, what numbers like this, the more the Fed is going to have to keep doing exactly what it said, that it will raise rates a couple more times, it'll get over 5%, and then it's going to leave them there for a while. And that's something the stock market still is not pricing in. Right. So the stock market has been pricing in a pivot to lower rates. Right. It, I think the uh, it, last time I looked and this, I think, was before payroll, so it, it might have changed since then, but is that the uh, the market has started pricing cuts by uh, July. Um, and, and that just seems uh, unrealistic to me without uh, a recession. Well, I don't see it either for what it's worth. It does seem very, very premature. But speaking of stocks again, the market was down Friday. Stocks are falling again today. But it is still a risk on market. I want to get your view on some of the speculation we've been seeing out there. Retail traders are active again. Bitcoin rallied sharply last month. And our colleague Randy Forsyth wrote this weekend about zero-day options, options that expire before sunrise the next morning. That's pretty unusual. It is fueling speculative activity. The Fed thought some of the Fed thought that higher rates would cool some of this exuberance, but that doesn't seem to be the case. What do you make of all this? I'm amazed by those options. Um, you know, it's in some ways uh, the stock market has become a lot like uh, our gambling markets, where you can place all kinds of in-game bets. Um, you know, who, who uh, will they? receiver catch a certain number of passes by the halftime or, or, or whatever. It's not just on the win or the loss. Um, and the stock market in some ways seems to uh, start to, starting to reflect that kind of uh, gambling mentality more than uh, perhaps it, it usually has. Um, what we do know is that uh, retail participation has, uh, has retail traders have come back. Um, JP Morgan um, pointed out that the uh, retail trading has uh, reached an all-time high recently. And I think that uh, I think it's a reflection that you have a market that's moving again. Um, people aren't um, I mean, people really aren't stupid. I don't think retail traders are stupid. They have a, a reputation for it. But the traders that are out there are they, they don't want to be buying these stocks when the market is is falling, when there doesn't seem to be that the odds aren't in their favor of, of a move. But they're looking what's going on in, this, in the stock market right now and the, and the potential moves there. Um, and they're, they're seeing that there is an op opportunity again, that we're just getting these massive moves. I mean, we saw Facebook, I think, gain 25 percent or something along those lines. Another amazing statistic this year. It was just incredible after reporting earnings and the stock was already up. 60 or 60 percent or something heading into the earnings release um and so when you're seeing those kind of moves i mean that's a good environment to speculate in and so you're seeing people do what uh, you would expect them do and one of that is they're opening um they're opening accounts uh, jmp securities noted that uh, average daily downloads for Robinhood, etoro fidelity schwab e-trade they've all increased 20 percent or more from their from the fourth quarter of 22 so far this year um, that, so, is, that is so interesting. It makes yeah. me wonder if the meme stock trade is coming back. Yeah, I mean, the, the meme stock trade is in some ways probably, I mean, if we look at the meme stock trade as really just a response to short selling, that uh, you get a lot of retail traders who spot where the shorts have gotten maybe a little too extended and then target those stocks. Um, 
I think it is happening. We've seen uh, Tesla up seventy uh, percent. Um, we've seen other stocks. I think Coinbase is up uh, more than a hundred percent. So I, I think that yeah, you're seeing that kind of retail trading happening again, and it doesn't need um, a GameStop at this point um, to happen. It's just happening in stocks that uh, we were all uh, we've all been watching. Uh, you know, again, like Tesla and whatnot. Pretty crazy. So I can't help wonder, though, with the market down over the past two days, despite all the speculation, might January have been a head fake after all? Was it really a bear market rally instead of what we all hoped for, the start of a new bull run? Well, I I do think there is an in-between there. Um, But, you know, I... I look at this market and again, the way that it's responding to news, if you had told me that we were going to get that kind of payrolls report on Friday and that that payrolls report would come on the same trading day that investors are responding to earnings from Amazon, Apple and Alphabet that were by all accounts disappointing. And then you told me that the market was going to finish the day down around 1%. I would have been shocked. Um, six months ago, the stock market was down three to five percent off of that kind of uh, that kind of data um, and those kind of, that kind of earnings. Um, and so, I, I do think we're looking at a market that isn't quite ready to finish going up. Um, as I, I said in a few calls, I, I think we have a uh, some upside here um, to start off the year. I think there will be trouble later. Um, but I do think that the, the market, you can't have a January like the stock market did without a little bit of consolidation. February is always a weaker month. Um, and so you get a little bit of a pullback, but there has not been much of a pullback, uh, especially considering the gains. Um, I mean, today it looked like there might be more of one. It's what the Dow's down 0.3%, the SP is down 0.6%, the NASDAQ's down 07 Um, I don't think it's anything really to, to, to worry about yet. Um, there are some things in here that are probably contributing to the weakness. Uh, the dollar's been stronger. Um, that probably uh, doesn't help. Yield are higher. That's likely contributing to the dollar's strength. Um, and you know, the market is still um, inversely correlated to, uh, to yields right now. So when yields uh, go up, the stock market goes down. Um, and you know, you're still seeing some of that kind of action. But I, I think it gets... Uh, um, it, it's, I think it's something that the market can work through uh, in the near term. What an interesting year. Already, and we're only, right. we're only on February 6th. So let's now talk about corporate earnings. Tons of companies reported fourth quarter results last week, and some pretty big ones are on deck for this week. How are S&P earnings trending so far? They've been kind of eh. Um, there's 66% of S and P firms have beaten fourth quarter earnings, and that's that's pretty low. We're we've been used to 70, 80% um, in the post COVID world, um, and that's this is near the lowest levels of a of a post uh, the global financial crisis. Um, according to this is from Keith Parker over at UBS, um, earnings aren't uh, doing that great. They were actually uh, they've declined by. Um, 1.7% uh, quarter over quarter. Uh, that's a median number. Um, margins are hurting. Um, they, uh, it, it's just, it's, it's not been a great quarter. Um, it, in fact, it, it's starting to look like earnings estimates for the year are way too high. Um, the earnings, um, 
So eight months ago, uh, the Wall Street was expecting $250 in aggregate earnings for the S&P 500. It's now come down to $222. Uh, that's after taking off uh, um, $4.61 so far this year. Um, Richard Farr over at Marion Capital Group thinks it's going to keep getting pushed lower and lower. He expects earnings to end the year someplace around $200 to $210, uh, which would put it flat compared to the past two years. Um, and, and and the thing is that the stock market's valuation has gone up um, while the uh, while this is all going on, while earnings expectations have been coming down because the market's been going up, and so that's not a great setup. Morgan Stanley's been even more bearish. They be, they were bearish through the through the big drop last year. Um, they got that call right. So far this they've stayed bearish so far this year. That uh, you know they're they're expecting a. De- down, they were expecting a downturn last week, actually, um, and uh, didn't get one. But they're noticing that you know forward EPS has just gone ne- negative, um, and that's only happened four times over the past 23 years. It was 2001, 2008, 2015, 2020, and all those years had pretty big um, drops in the stock market. Um, with 2015 being an interesting one because it went sideways for much of the year, and then in around August of that year, it uh, it, it really tanked. Um, and so you do have a um, just an earnings problem, perhaps, um, as we uh, head further out into the year, though the stock market right now isn't acting like one. Um, you might say that uh, last year's drop in the stock market, maybe that was setting up for the um, uh, for the earnings decline this year. But if that's the case, then the stock market is no longer uh, accounting for in PEs for higher rates. Um, and that's where I see just such a huge disconnect. You know, you can't have these higher discount rates and earnings that are not, you know, that are starting to trickle down, and and, and expect it to to be able to have a have a really good market unless we're going to get a surge in earnings um, going ahead. Um, that, that that these numbers are are wrong, and you know they're going to hold up better and then maybe go up. Well, the market sees something here, so. Very, very confusing for all of us this year. So speaking of earnings problems, let's move on to Walt Disney. The company reports Wednesday. Earnings are the least of its problems. Bob Iger is back in as boss. There's been management turmoil. Activists are butting in. And the stock has had a good year, but at $109 a share, it is up less than 10% over the past five years. So what will the latest quarter tell us about Disney's prospects and where does Disney go from here? Well, that uh, is a good question. I mean, it's been a really tough time for for Disney, um, as we all know. And it is, um, sorry, and, you know, they're going to try to, you know, they, they've had a, they had a tough 12 months. They were down 22% over the past 12 months, but they've gained 27% to start off this year. Their earnings are still falling. They're gonna, uh, earnings are supposed to come in around 79 cents. That'd be down from $1.06. So their sales are going up, which indicates that they have kind of a cost problem there. Um, and the stock is trading at 24.1 times earnings, uh, which is where it was in April when the, the stock price was 30% higher. I think it tells you a lot about what, what's happening with, with earnings. Um, they're, 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 the big thing they have going for them, though, is the ability to, to cut costs. I think we saw that with, uh, with Meta um, last week is that you know, all, all Meta had to do is say, we're going to reduce our spending. 
and the stock took off. And I think that's the big worry at Disney as well, is that they're spending all this money on streaming and um, they're, it was, it's losing them money. And that if they can uh, spend less money on, um, on, uh, on, on the streaming business and they can go ahead and um, still show that there's growth there, there's profitability, then the stock could do uh, pretty well. Um, but they also have other issues. You know, they have their parks where people aren't happy, and there's actually been a, a strike of some workers who want to get paid more, and that's going to contribute to rising costs, perhaps. So um, I think that uh, it, it's going to be an interesting one. But I would have said heading into this report, hey, if you're going to be up, you know, twenty-seven percent uh, heading into a report, that the odds are that you are going to. Um, you have a really high bar, but after seeing what happened with uh, with Meta, uh, I'm not so sure. Who knows? That was wild, as we, as we discussed previously. Yes, so, that definitely was wild. <laughs> PepsiCo also reports this week. It reports on Thursday. Stock does not quite have the issues that Disney does. It's a defensive name. It has held up well over the past 12 months, and it yields 2.7%. What's going on at Pepsi? How are things looking for them? Well, as a stock, it's not looking uh, very well. The uh, The company is a safe stock, right? It's a staple. And they um, investors right now uh, don't want safe, staple stocks. And so the stock has really come down um, really since uh, December. The thing has just pulled back. It's um, it, as investors have decided, hey, we do not need safety right now. Um, but there's also, you know, some good things happening within the business. Oh, and um, the stock had dropped six point four percent, but Deutsche Bank at least sees upside to current consensus forecasts um, because the consumer remains strong and the company is executing pretty well. They're worried about guidance though because um, there just are continued cost pressures, their supply chain bottlenecks, and other headwinds. Um, so they're they're kind of waiting to to see what happens there, um, especially on the cost headwind side of things. But I just look at this chart and I look at Pepsi's chart and it, it tells me hey, there's there's a lot of support here if it can hold this level. There, there could be some room for upside. Of course, if they do disappoint and that support breaks, uh, there's a lot of downside. But I'm not sure that's the that's going to happen quite yet. I think there's a, a decent chance that you get a, a pretty good number and that the stock can make a stand here. Sounds good. We're also going to hear from Uber and Lyft this week. Both stocks have gone bananas this year. And if you want my opinion, so have rideshare prices. <laughs> what, are, what are these companies likely to report? and What are their prospects? Well, it's interesting you bring up prices because one of the things that Lyft has had a, a hard time doing is attracting drivers. And so they, they've been raising prices to, to attract drivers and reduce wait times. But uh, there are worries. Uh, Gordon Haskett is very worried about this and worried enough to downgrade the stock on um, today. They, they downgraded to hold from buy. And they're worried that those higher prices are going to um, really hit the market share um, of Lyft versus Uber. Um, Uber is just a, a bigger company. Um, they also have international exposure that uh, Lyft doesn't have. And that is um, likely to benefit Uber um, going ahead. Gordon Haskett, uh, as in downgrading the stock, they said, look, the, the stock's gained 58% just this year. Um, they 
They see that the number of active riders that were in the fourth quarter, they think that's going to miss. This is a metric that Wall Street looks at. And they also um, think there are going to be concerns about uh, revenue. Um, and so they downgraded it. Uh, they, um, they they really don't, don't see it uh, being able to uh, keep going up the way it has. Um, Uber has also had a great run. It's up 34%. It's run right into resistance. Um, they, uh, there's a little more optimism around it though. Gordon Haskett sees it as a buy. Evercore came out and they said that, you know, Hey, it's going to have an inline fourth quarter. There's evidence that of an ongoing recovery in driver supply that may be because of higher prices or maybe that just people want to come do it. Um, the one downside for Uber looks like it could be their delivery business, which, um, people just aren't using as much anymore. They're going out to restaurants and having, instead of having things delivered. Um, and that could be weak, but uh, they, they do see the company having a uh, better free cash flow, an attractive valuation after uh, a pretty tough um, 2022. And so they think that it could do pretty well uh, headed into the new year. It's pretty impressive how these stocks have rallied so far. Yeah. It's, it's all these things that were, were, uh, no, really hated last year are doing so much better. I think you've anticipated my next question, which is about the fintech sector. The stocks really sank last year, particularly companies that weren't making money. Affirm is a leader in the buy now, pay later space. That was one of the biggest losers. The shares were down 71% over the past 12 months, and yet they're up 88% year to date. So is there a bullish case to be made again, or is this just a bit of a recovery rally? I think it's just a bit of a recovery rally. Um, I mean, it's it's such a massive move in a firm, and I and I get the the bull case on it. Um, you know, there there are people saying that uh, you know you look at the. Um, uh, the, the the asset-backed securities that they sell based off their loans, and those are holding up better. The credit metrics are holding up better. Um, that there may actually be a, a pathway to uh, profitability, even though they are supposed to lose a, lose a buck a share uh, this quarter. That's actually worse than the 57 cents a share that they lost in the same quarter a year ago. Um, and that... Uh, you know, the company th- does think that it, it has a deep base of funding um, and Deutsche Bank thinks that it has differentiated underwriting capabilities that are going to help propel the stock. I look at it and I'm just like, it's not profitable. It's had this massive run. Um, Morgan Stanley is worried that uh, higher rates and the associated rise in funding costs because of that are going to cause problems with it as well credit uh, getting you know what they call credit normalization it just means that people are going to um, you know they're they're going to start to having uh, there'll be more bad loans than there were during the uh, pandemic and so that these are all going to be concerns for investors to watch so I, I just think that after a stock gains as much as uh, as a firm does you just have to be careful um, it, it's it's just a, a pretty big um, a pretty big rally that it's had. Fair enough. I want to get to some listener questions which have been coming in, and then we may get back to a couple of other companies reporting this week. We had a batch of questions in the sign-up block about which sectors are most attractive, both in the near term and in the longer term. So I wonder if you can address that. Amira was asking you to pick a winning sector for the next three months. I don't know if I'd hold you to that short of time span, but what about the next year? What do you think looks most attractive? Oh, gosh. Uh, can I say nothing? Um, 
Um, you can. I, I mean, in, in some ways, I, I think that is uh, what, what's going on is that they it's not so much a, a sector market right now as I think it might be a, a stock market where you want to find the right companies. Um, and though there there are sectors that have been sold off just because they um, have been unpopped, they I think they were too safe. Um, so you look at consumer staples, they got they've gotten hit hard. Utilities have gotten hit hard. Healthcare has gotten hit hard. Um, and you know, as an investor, they, those those sectors you know did have great 2022s, and now they've started to pull back. And I think that that could make some of those uh, attractive attractive if they keep pulling back um, over the next uh, month or two. If they, if they stay out of favor, um, I think it a lot depends on how long this rally goes. Um, but if the rally continues, you do want to be in places like tech. Um, you want to be in semiconductors. Um, and, and stuff like that. So um, there's just, uh, it, it really is a, a tough one to go on. I do think that, um, you know, the more energy pulls back, the more there's going to be a buying opportunity there. Um, I also am um, thinking that industrials are probably going to do okay. There's a lot of money that's going to be coming into the sector via um, government spending and just companies trying to get more efficient uh, because of the uh, worker problem getting workers. So you try to get it more efficient in other ways. Um, so I'm not sure I answered the question terribly well, but those are my thoughts right about now. Well, I think I think you've given kind of a good summary of what you see happening in various sectors. So David has a question that will truly confound. He asks, assuming the Fed will normalize interest rates to pre-2008 levels and Fed stimulus spending tapers, federal stimulus spending tapers off in 2026, what industries, what industry sectors look good for the next five years? Um, well, so my thesis has been that this really, that we have entered with the Fed's rate hikes um, a new market regime. This is the end of the regime that we had um, from the global financial crisis, which saw tech um, and all the tech ancillary areas really outperform. And I think we're not going to, to see that again. So my advice would be it's the stuff that didn't work for those 10 years. Um, I, I think energy is a good long-term play. I think industrials and materials are probably good long-term plays. Um, mining stocks um, had been horribly out of favor, but there's going to be a, a lot of need for the stuff that they um, uh, that, that they produce. Um, and I think industrials are going to be a good place to, to play. Al, Al Root wrote a, a story, I think it was a couple of years ago now, just talking about how the emphasis of the market might shift from the creators of the of, of the technology um, to the users of the technology. And for him, that was industrial stocks. Um, and I think his thesis is playing out that what we're starting to see is that um, tech companies are, are starting to see some pressure on their on, on, on their margins as uh, companies start to um, uh, they're starting to use this technology to to do better um, and I think that's going to continue to play out that it's really going to be the, the, the users of tech um, rather than the creators of it that do well I was thinking commodities as you were talking yes I mean think I think commodity that's why I like uh, materials as a sector is that commodities are, are going to be uh, in demand over the next five years, I think. Right. You consider the growth of the electric vehicle market for just one example. That's right. Um, and, and the more that, uh, and it's also, it's uh, even if you don't, don't, don't like that thesis, 
the the underproduction of or, or it's the lack of investment that happened in both energy and other commodities for a very long period now um, is really going to put pressure on um, on um, on commodity prices, especially as you have things like the war uh, in in Ukraine going on. They're just issues here that I think will end up supporting uh, commodity prices and and helping them rise over uh, over a five year period. I think we're in agreement. So going back to the next 12 months, Robert asks, if you think the market will head down later this year, would you hide out in six or 12 months CDs or treasuries? Um, no. Um, I, I think you always have to be in the market. Um, the, the people that I that I trust the most, um, I'll, get, I'll give one example. There's a guy named um, Jim Stack um, at Investec Research. Um, he also runs money, um, but he, he has a model portfolio that he's always doing shifts in. But even at his most bearish, um, he never really drops below 47% invested in the stock market. He wants to have, um, he, he does want to have uh, money in the market. And so much of this is, comes down to to timing. Um, so right, right now, Stack has actually lifted from that 47% to 53%. It's getting These are very precise numbers, Ben. Very precise, um, and but I, but I think it's it's reflective of you know he's as as things change you, you don't necessarily you don't want to be out of the market because if you're out of the market and it rips for some reason that we didn't think of, um, you you know you miss it you miss it and then it's hard to get back in and you come into a lot of problems. But what you could do is adjust your your portfolio. So if you're worried about um, worried about uh, stocks and valuations and whatnot, you can hold fewer. And uh, when the market falls and looks cheaper and more interesting, you add to it. And I think that's uh, that's the best way to do it. I do think cash, though, um, like a six-month or a 12-month CD is, is not a bad place to be. Um, if the market does drop again, you can put money to work. Um, you're finally getting uh, yields on those. I mean, I'm, I'm even getting a yield on a uh, high-yield savings account. Uh, completely liquid. Um, that I, it's uh, you know to, now it's astounding. I think I'm, I'm getting close to four percent at this point. Um, and you know it's uh, it, it would have been unthinkable two years ago. Um, so there there are a lot of places to put cash. Cash I've always been a fan of because I think it is a uh, it's the best um, protection against volatility. You know if you have cash and the market's moving around a ton. Um, and your portfolio falls, well, you have cash. You don't need to sell stocks. Um, and so the, the most important thing is just getting that asset allocation right, getting the uh, putting the, the amount of money in stocks that you can feel comfortable with over the short and over the over the short term if things really tumble. So you can take advantage of a stock market that usually goes up over the long term. I mean, broadly saying, broadly speaking, you're saying don't time the market. I think there is timing of the, of the market, but not with all your money. I, right. I think you, you know, you, there's, there's a reason we take profits. There's a reason we buy um, big drops. Um, but, and, and there's a little bit of timing to it, but no one's going to time it perfectly and we shouldn't try. All right. Different type of question. Neil asks, with all the reshoring going on, how likely are we to see a drop in employment? Um, I 
I, I don't think we do. Um, I, I just think they're always going to be a need for jobs. And even with things like that, um, you create new jobs. You create the, the jobs for the people who um, need to go fix those uh, robots making French fries in the um, in the fast food restaurants. Um, and so I, I just think that uh, as things change, the jobs will still be needed. It's just going to be in different areas. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, so that uh, when you look at, uh, again, this is another point that Al Root has made. You know, there's all this worry about mechanics losing their jobs because of a shift to uh, electric vehicles. And th that's going to, A, be more of a transition. So you're going to still have people who need to be able to fix the uh, internal combustion engines. Um, but you're also going to need people who can uh, work on EVs. And so you sort of get this shift in, in, uh, in the types of jobs we have, but you still need a lot of them. Um, and so, no, I, I don't worry about it. I just think that there'll be new jobs created. All right. I want to close by thinking about vacation. And we'll take a one-minute look at Royal Caribbean reporting tomorrow. This is the cruise operator. Had a dreadful time during COVID. Things are looking up a bit. Tell us what's going on there. Yeah, it's, it's had a, you know, it's another one of these stocks that's had a great start to the year. Um, it, uh, it's up 38%. Um, it's not going to have a good quarter. It's going to lose a uh, dollar thirty-three. Um, that is up from the four dollars and seventy-eight cents that it lost uh, the, the same quarter one year ago. Um, but uh, it's it's still a loss, and it comes after having finally turned a profit in the third quarter. Um, but Credit Suisse likes the stock. They think the setup is good. They think that uh, Royal Caribbean has done what uh, one of its competitors has not, and that's been conservative in offering guidance and that there is potential that it's going to be able to raise its estimates. Um, they think that its valuation is compelling because they haven't been um, pushing their guidance so much. Um, so it's actually trading cheaper than um, than one of its competitors. But um, it is. Uh, but it, its its numbers are probably more realistic. And so um, there could be uh, some good news there um, that people keep wanting to, to travel and to get back on, on the cruises. I know that one of my colleagues just got back from a cruise. So people seem to be doing this. Um, so I'll say, you know, yeah, I think there's there's some room there for the company to maybe surprise to the upside and for the stock to do OK. Uh, who doesn't like to sit on a on a, you know, sit out in the sun and just uh, enjoy time away from uh, from our work? Well, no cruise for us, Ben. We'll be back here next week. Very true. <laughs> Absolutely. But tomorrow on Barron's Live, we'll take a closer look at technology stocks. Barron's associate editor for technology, Eric Savitz, will be speaking with Jonathan Curtis, a portfolio manager with Franklin Equity Group. They'll be looking at the outlook for tech stocks. So until then. Stay well, everyone. Thanks, Ben, for your comments today. And Thank thanks you, to our listeners. Stay well, have a good day, and we'll be back soon. The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com.